Well, hello there, friends and neighbors, and welcome to the very first episode of the Slow Guy on the Fast Ride podcast. I am the OG Slow Guy. I am Dan Cavallari, your host. And, you know, it's exciting to be starting a podcast, but you may be asking yourself, why in the world are you starting a podcast? Why Why another podcast in this world? Well, you know, I, uh, I've been in this uh, world a little bit longer than you might expect, and I think there's just a lot of good stories out there that are not being told. And so I thought it'd be fun to start a podcast and tell some of those stories. Now, some of the stories I want to tell are in the bike industry. Some of them are not. Uh, today, it just so happens that we're starting the Slow Guy podcast with a bike industry story, and it's a cool one. Uh, I happened to be up in Portland, Oregon, uh, not too long ago, and I headed south from there to Wilsonville, where AutoLock is headquartered. Now, that's Auto Design Works is the uh, original company. They were out with a, a product before the AutoLock came along, but the actual story of the development of the AutoLock and how it came about, where it came from, it's pretty fascinating. And the company itself uh, is 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 interesting in its own right. It's uh, an American company. They are making the product in house uh, in the USA. By real people, this is a handmade lock, which is, you know, not something you can really say about a lot of bike locks out there. Uh, and so I wanted to get at the heart of what they thought was uh, the value behind making a lock from hand, uh, by hand from, you know, with real people, uh, where the idea came from, how it all transpired. And as it turns out, Jake Vanderzanden, the, the company's founder, uh, happened to have a conversation with Jacob Rathy, who was a pro cyclist. He was living in Girona, and he just, you know, he really, he needed a lock that he could stuff in his jersey pocket and take out when he would stop at the the cafe and there's a lot of cafes in Girona, a lot of good ones. And so it was a, sort of a frequent thing on his training rides. And so he had kind of uh, prototyped uh, something that he thought might work and had a meeting with uh, with Jake Vanderzanden eventually. And the idea for the Autolock was born. Um, it's a pretty interesting, fascinating story. And it was a bumpy ride. Uh, the, the Kickstarter was wildly successful because so many people also had a need for this type of product. But to say that it was smooth sailing once they got the funding is definitely not the case. So let's head up to Wilsonville, Oregon to hear from Jake Vanderzanden, the company's founder, and uh, Jacob Rathy. The first voice you're going to hear is, is uh, Jake. And he's going to kick it over pretty immediately to Jacob, to, who, who's going to tell you a little bit about how he came up with the idea for a portable lock like this and uh, what happened once he met Jake. Well, I'm going to let Jacob kind of describe the ideation um, behind it since that really kind of came from his side. Um, but we had a mutual friend, a kettlebell instructor of all people, uh, who introduced us. Um, and we can start from there after Jacob gives a little bit of history of his, his original thinking. Yeah, so Jacob, you were you were a professional bike racer. You were living in Girona, correct, when this all came about? That's right. I was in, uh, yeah, living in Girona. I was on Garmin Sharp at the time and, you know, riding my bike a lot, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, kind of part of the, I guess if you're a pro cyclist, you, you know, you'll do a five-hour ride and you're probably going to stop at some point and it's always kind of a thing on a ride, like, Europe, you know, cafe, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like a novelty yeah. time out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just kind of this thing where it, it started with like seeing, you know, realizing that, you know, when people ride in a group, there's people have all these tactics that they didn't even really know about. Mm -hmm. Like 
we're going to stack all our bikes together. Yeah. And the one on the outside is vulnerable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or I'm going to put my bike in the biggest gear. So it's, you know, someone can't ride away that fast. Right. Right. right? Or I'm going to put my helmet around it. So, you know, there's kind of like this, like, huh, there's people are have these tactics. Like this is a problem. Like we're stressed about the bikes and in Girona, even in the center, you know, bikes had gotten just kind of swiped from a cafe basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're unlocked. Right. So, you know, and then looking at, okay, I'm on a bike ride. I have all these tools, all these accessories, you know, why don't I have a bike lock that I would take training, mm-hmm, right? It's just mm-hmm. going to live on my bike. I'm going to use it if I need it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I don't always plan on using a pump or a tube, but I have it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And then just, you know, a, a extension of the cafe, you know, it's like bathroom breaks, lunch, you know, all, th- all, all sorts of scenarios where like, huh, I'm leaving my bike on the street. This is kind of silly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this very expensive bike on that. Yeah. That, it's sitting know. here. It's, it's, it's actually not, it's easier to steal than anything else. Cause yeah. it's so fast. <laughs> right. Right. So, so what did you do? I mean, what, what is it that you came up with? In your head, you envisioned something that would be a better option than just, you know, weaving your helmet strap through the front <laughs> wheel. <laughs> um, yeah, I figured the helmet was uh, uh, not much more than a, you know, almost a worthless. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's just say it's worth, you know, yeah. like one second longer, which is uh, nothing, basically, right. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just thinking like, yeah, form factor, you know, I would just start with like electrical tape and uh, buckle off a backpack. I'm pretty sure I cut off the, uh, the buckle off my backpack, uh-huh. uh, off one of the waist straps maybe. And yeah. I was like, okay, how long does this have to be to fit around a bike rack? Yeah. Like what kind of form factor does this have to take for something I would take training? Cause if I wouldn't take it on a hundred mile ride, then it's kind of worthless, right? Sure, if sure. it is a pound, right? That's too much. <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah, there was just kind of this experimental phase and I guess it was still, you know, that was in 2013. So I think our Kickstarter was 2015, mm-hmm. 16. 16. So it was, Yeah. Um, so there was definitely a, a development time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I would, I would always be kind of like testing people. Like mm-hmm. I'd make something and I'd just kind of like lock my bike up on a ride and be like, oh, what's like, what is that? Like yeah. that, huh? I, yeah. I was like, yeah, just, what do you think? Like, you know, kind of like a blind yeah, study. Test. <laughs> yeah, test. Yeah, yeah. In, uh, in the right group of people that I was in. And, uh, you know, there was enough of, uh, the reaction was good enough that I was like, hi, I think there's something here. So, uh, Jacob, I've seen pictures of the earliest prototype. <laughs> it's, it's quite a, it's quite a show and it's actually, oh, on, there it is. Yeah. It's on the auto lock <laughs> website. Uh, it's, it's just, I mean, it, to me, it looks like you put electrical tape around a piece of string. No, that's shrink tubing. <laughs> shrink tubing. Okay. And 3d printed, um, lock mechanism. Okay. So it's a little classier than just, you know, electrical tape. <laughs> <laughs> that was V2. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, so tell me what tell me what I'm looking at. If if I go to the Autolocks website, I can see this black uh, 
So that's loop. yeah, that was uh, one of the links. I'm not sure how uh, what how long that was, but you know, playing with thinking of like uh, more of like a cable. Mm -hmm. uh, think of like the tension of a cable when you wind it up. It has uh, some properties. Mm -hmm. And so I had something similar length to that, and I would kind of coil it twice around a top tube or any tube, mm -hmm. and it would kind of bow out. Like yeah. it would make like this, uh, like the the lower uh, turns of the of the the wrap would like kind of be tied to the tube essentially, mm -hmm. right? If you mm -hmm. can envision that, um, just the way if you wrap any cable around a tube, it'll just kind of like bow out yeah yeah like a, almost like a uh, <laughs> like a figure eight around the, the tube yeah itself. figure yeah. eight and so that was kind of an early thing okay i could put this around a bike tube and it would just kind of like attach mm -hmm. by itself mm -hmm. um and that was kind of like portability like any tube you just like loop it around and it, you know a smaller tube it would have a bigger bow and a bigger tube would be smaller but it would just be stuck in place basically yeah. some sort of grippy material mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right and that's how you i would get like a long-ish locked you know pretty compact to be portable yeah yeah and, and and compact sure you know um so that was kind of where i was at there so then you know but i wasn't stuck to any specific uh form factor sure sure um so then, so after, so you came home from Girona at some point and were in Portland and met Jake and how did, how did that conversation go where you're like, I have this weird <laughs> thing that I have on my bike? I think it was, so yeah, Lance, I was working out in the gym and I don't know, I would, I was kind of working on this concept. I mean, I, I didn't know what I was doing and I knew that. Right. Which is good. <laughs> it's good to know. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing to know. And so I was just, I think I was just kind of exploring and just talking to people and I don't know, um, just something I worked on while I was training, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. not, I wouldn't say working, but just exploring. Yeah. Um, and then Lance kind of just, Oh yeah, my buddy's like, uh, starting a company auto and yeah, you should meet him. So thing, yeah, with Lance, I mean, there's probably 50 other people that could have done the same thing. Sure. Right. And I, I'm sure I almost met Jake or rode with him on a lot of occasions, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. you know, in the, yeah, we actually, in the area. We actually raced when you were like 16. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't like that much yeah. of a stretch, a leap, yeah. right? It was just a little bit of, synergy mm -hmm, basically mm -hmm. and a little bit of luck yeah um so then okay so now you guys meet at a coffee shop on a ride uh jake you, what was your initial <laughs> impression your your initial reaction to jacob coming at you with this this idea yeah we met at stumptown coffee down in portland um I kind of went to the meeting as a favor to Lance mm -hmm. with no expectation of anything. Lance is the, um, the kettlebell guy. The kettlebell guy. Okay. And heck, we probably owe him something, huh, Jacob? <laughs> but um, the uh, uh, Jacob rolls in. It was you know fun to just you know kind of get more acquainted because um, like we kind of maybe knew who each other was, but then we got a chance to meet. Um, he pulled out, he, he was actually training that day, and it was kind of a crappy winter day, if I remember right. 
And he did pull out of a Ziploc bag a bunch of like lock parts and things. <laughs> and I sat there and I thought to myself, and I was actually in a position with the company that we were trying to form that we had just had a massive failure with the first product. And mm-hmm. so I was a bit anxious about what to do next. Sure. So I'm looking at this young guy who's less than half my age. And um, <laughs> he's got a handful of parts. I said, well, I can probably help you, but, you know, I don't have a whole lot of resources. Sure. You know? yeah. And um, and I, I do remember Jacob saying, well, in, in a very casual way, um, I don't really care, but it'd be really great to make like six or eight for my friends. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was kind of the uh, the initiative. Okay, well, let's see if we can come up with a way to do this mm-hmm. better and yeah. make six or eight. Yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> ambitious I, goals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, a, a bit of to Jacob's point about synergy, um, a lot of luck. Um, in, in the chance of the meeting, um, we formed a bit of an odd couple partnership, um, but a lot of common values and goals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you guys had a really successful Kickstarter for this, um, which I know I'm skipping yeah, a pretty yeah. big chunk of of the development of this and what happened next. But um, just in the interest of time, I know a lot of things happened then, but you guys did eventually come up with a concept and had a really successful Kickstarter, which was really awful timing for you. Well, or was it really good timing, actually? I guess we could call it good timing. Yeah, so I'll kind of fast forward as well. We did, I think, on the order of about five to six different prototypes with this band concept, mm-hmm. uh, which wasn't Jacob's original thing, but like he said, he wasn't committed to form factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, like a plastic head and some things not knowing quite what we were doing about security, but eventually got it refined enough to do Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And so we had planned to launch Kickstarter um, on September 17th. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the, the day. Uh, I think it was a Monday and had started the process of making a Kickstarter video. I'd never done a Kickstarter, um, got some good coaching on that. And in the process of doing so, I was diagnosed with cancer. Ah, no biggie, right? Yeah, no biggie. (laughs) And so you're not only anxious about a new business opportunity, Mm -hmm. now you're anxious about your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they don't necessarily tell you the whole roadmap when you get cancer, which is tough. And um, so... um, we ended up launching the Kickstarter, and four days later, uh, I went into surgery and had a big tumor removed. And um, I vividly remember actually <laughs> responding to all these backer emails in yeah. the hospital, yeah. and it was good fun, yeah. and it really helped me. And it was just a, it was a really positive thing for me to be distracted by. Interesting. And simultaneously. Uh, Jacob and I were talking and texting like, can you believe what's happening? Yeah. This is actually working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jacob, as as this was all happening, I mean, were you just watching the numbers climb and thinking, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God? <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is I was actually on a bike tour. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, I think I was a uh, trip with, I guess, my girlfriend at the time. She had a work thing in Seattle, so I went there and we stayed and I planned to ride home like mm-hmm. the long way yeah like through the cascades and i was just leaving in the you know from downtown seattle in the in the morning and it was i was just kind of oh it's launching oh let's watch and you know by the evening you know it was just like 
tens of thousands of dollars, you know, mm-hmm. $10,000 each time I looked. Right, right. Right? Yeah. And then, I, mean, I don't know what was the first day. It could have been... It was about 100. I think it was, yeah, okay, so... 100,000. Oh, yeah, I was wow. like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I actually didn't even have service that night. Yeah. I didn't have service <laughs> to, like, you know, for 24 hours. And yeah. And I'm like, you know, like, what's going to happen when I check back in on this yeah. thing? Yeah, Um how did it, I mean, for you as somebody who took this from a, a, a concept you were testing on the streets of Girona to, you know, the Kickstarter phase, I mean, did that feel like validation of an idea for you? Did it feel like, oh man, I, I have a future as a crazy haired inventor <laughs> or? Uh, yeah, that was definitely, yeah, surreal. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I, I guess we didn't really know what to expect. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess Kickstarters do much, much more than that, but also they do uh, range, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you, I, I got to jump in. Yeah, go for it. Don't let uh, his humility fool you. Yeah, um, he's he's a natural at ideation and tinkering. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Your your brain works is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and it seems like a a, a neat thing to watch. Especially because it was, you know, as, as Jake had said earlier, it was like, oh, I don't really care. I just want this for my friends. Well, it turns out you had a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> you had a lot of friends, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jake, I want to talk about changing the form factor a little bit because we, you and I talked yesterday about something pretty interesting, which is, you know, the original concept uh, that, that Jacob had is, is fairly, you know, standard round uh, shape. Autolox is very different than that. It's flat. Um, talk a little bit about why that is. Yeah, I mean, actually, one of the core theses of the auto lock is the band. Yeah, um, the band is what makes it unique. Um, certainly, the the whole product is lightweight, which mm-hmm. makes it super unique. But the band is probably well, the band's actually where the patent is. Right. Right. And um, there's two parts to the band that make it special. Um, one is its aspect ratio, so it's super thin and super wide and flat. Mm-hmm. And that flatness is actually kind of a key to its security mm-hmm. because um, when you go to cut it with a compressive type tool like wire cutters or bolt cutters, all that load gets spread out over a broad surface. Mm-hmm. Whereas with cables or twine or whatever Jacob was messing <laughs> with, the load of a compressive cutter actually just it's point contact mm-hmm. so it can break the metal. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is kind of, that's one of the big keys to the auto lock. Um, and the second one is the fact it's multi-layer construction. Right. Right. And you, I kind of like to think of it like not, not quite like an Oreo, but maybe a, I don't know, a cheeseburger that's got different layers of things. Yeah. In it. Yeah. And so the, there's three or six layers of steel combined with Kevlar combined with this plastic Santa Preen. So you got this stack up of nine different things, which, which also makes it difficult. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that's interesting too because you know you have the two products, the Singe Lock and the Hex Lock, and the Hex Lock uh, has six bands of steel in it. Uh, is just very, very, very difficult to cut through, uh, and I think you know that brings up the point of of deterrence. And, you know, even your critics have admitted that, you know, any lock is better than no lock, which really goes back to the original concept that that Jacob was talking about, which was, you know, you're trying to prevent thefts of opportunity. And that's sort of the cinch lock. Right. And then the hex band is is a little bit more of a um, 
I'm going to be going in that coffee shop for maybe a couple hours to work on my laptop. Um, and in either case, you know, with, with the right tool, you can cut through any lock. Um, tell me about a little bit about the concept of, of auto lock and, and how you view what it does toward the different types of theft um, that, that thieves really employ. Um, well, to be fair, when this all started back in the Kickstarter days, um, I didn't understand the mobile security market at sure. all. Yeah. Um, we just had a great concept and knew there was a foundation for a brand and a yeah. business. Yeah. So we moved forward and, you know, while Jacob might've been, you know, kind of wondering, you know, am I an entrepreneur? What just happened? I actually, once I came out of my, my cancer coma, um, I was scared to death because I knew we had to figure out how to make these. Right. Um, so <laughs> details, uh, yeah. details, yeah. <laughs> and didn't want to be that guy who launched a, a Kickstarter and a business and, and failed. Um, but fast forward again on the security premise of it. Um, I had never owned a lock in 35 plus years of racing and training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't make sense. And so that's the notion behind Jacob's ideation that kind of like triggered me and going, oh, if I actually could carry it with me, I might use a lock. So I was a target customer for this. Yeah, yeah. And so I got that point of view. Mm-hmm. And um, theft is really interesting because I guess I call this now, and I've learned a lot from our customers, our many, many customers around the world over the years, but targeted theft, you don't stand a chance. Mm -hmm. You don't stand a chance with a U-lock. You don't don't stand a chance with two locks. If there's time and a motivated thief has the proper tools and technique, your bike is gone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're trying to stop. Sure, sure. And that's not the core intent or purpose of, of, of the auto lock, cinch lock, or hex band at all. We are truly trying to stop this opportunity, opportunity theft. You know, some people call it keep honest people honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and critics might say things like, well, that's just a zip tie. Well, it's not just a zip tie. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into this, yeah. as, as you've seen, Dan. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, um, uh, most bikes are truly stolen. The majority of bikes are stolen because they're not locked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if somebody says that's better than no lock at all, I would answer, yes, it's exactly, exactly. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the premise behind um, the need mm-hmm. and the purpose and the intent. Uh, I'm, I'm very proud that we have really created a different category mm-hmm. of lock. Yeah. And whether yeah. you call it convenient security mm-hmm. um, or portable, lightweight right. portable security, but it's a different category. Sure, sure. And and to be fair, I mean, I really feel like this conversation misses a broader point, which think about your car. Your car has locks. It's not going to prevent your car from getting stolen if, if a guy is, is scoping out your car and knows all the ways to get past those locks. Of course, your car is going to get stolen. Um, but you know, you, you have that deterrence for the quote unquote casual thief or, you know, somebody who is less prepared, which is, I would say most thieves, right? (laughs) Um, motorcycles also have locks, you know, where you can lock the handlebars. And again, people know how to get around those things. 
so should I just stop trying? No, of course not. You want to deter most of the people who would, would make that attempt. Yeah, and if, you know, I think a lot of people saying things, oh, it's it's cuttable, so, you know, what's right. the point? Right. Well, yeah, your, your kind of point of, you know, look at everything else you perceive as yeah. secure, right? right? And, you know, is it really? Like, right. your house is... <laughs> probably pretty easy to break into yeah. if you were out of town for one night, right. you know, like someone's going to get in, you know? So yeah. Thinking more about like with your bike, like avoiding the situation, mm-hmm. like don't, I wouldn't leave your MacBook on your seat in your car, right. Visible right. Right. or in your car at all. Right. Yeah. So I wouldn't personally leave any bike that I cared about in a, uh, you know, bike theft hot spot really in any city. Right for any amount of time right with any you know if it was a decent bike you know right. if it's kind of like a town bike yeah that's a kind of deterrence right right lack right. of value but you know if it's a bike i you know a valuable bike i wouldn't leave it for two hours yeah 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 at all i just right. avoid the situation right right, <laughs> right. even with a u-lock i wouldn't <laughs> so feel I comfortable think, in that yeah well yeah if you you know yeah there's and honestly i don't i don't i would never i don't carry a u-lock and i hate u-locks i really do because and there's there's no good way to store them some there's no pretty good way interesting to carry things about bike thieves yeah. like you know if you were there was some other bike registry company i was talking to and they're like yeah we actually make some videos about you know stealing bikes and we just go to the street and we film it yeah and we cut a lock in plain sight yeah with a camera, a couple guys. Yeah. No one does anything. No. In plain sight, who's gonna <laughs> who is going to interrupt someone with an angle grinder? Right. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, so if that's you want if you want to be a bike thief, have your buddy hold a coffee right. next to you yeah. with a camera. Mm-hmm. No, There's ways to do it. It's just yeah. too like it, it's like the bystander theory, yeah. like yeah. you know, the middle of the night. Or the middle of the day, like, yeah. it's just, yeah. yeah, there's interesting things with, like... Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, Jake, you said something really revealing to me yesterday, which I thought was was uh, very relevant, particularly to the bike industry, which is that, yes, you can make this lock much, 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 much stronger, but the compromise you have to make there is it becomes less portable, it becomes less usable, really. And that, to me, is a reflection, too, of how road bikes are developed right yeah we can make this bike lighter but then it'll ride like crap or you know yeah we can make it stiffer but then you lose the the lightweight aspects so there's these trade-offs these compromises which is really a story of engineering in general um so you know what is it about the auto lock uh form factor in terms of you know size shape portability um that essentially not prevents you but it made you decide to make it what it is now? Uh, good question. Um, good thought. Um, does parallel engineering of a bike in the trade-off. Um, but if you kind of break down, why did all those people back us on Kickstarter? Why have, you know, 250,000 people bought these locks over the past years? Really, it's, it, you know, you can go through the questions. Is it strength? Is it really strength? Right. Is it, is it actually weight? Is it the color? Because we do right. have cool, we do have cool colors. <laughs> the orange is pretty pretty um, cool. Yeah, I 
It's actually really the form factor, and it's this band yeah. that you can coil into a very small diameter. It, if you really break it down, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, other locks, you can't do that to get into. So this, like an 18-inch auto lock cinch, you can make it two and a half inches in diameter, which right. is pretty dang teeny. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's smaller than a tube. Yeah. Um, we like to say, you know, with a 30-inch, coil it down to three three and a half inches. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, what it really is. If we added steel and made a 10-layer band, you could not do that. Right, right, right. You just fundamentally can't do that. Yeah. Also, when you add steel, you get a thicker band. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you don't have the aspect ratio. When we talked about cutting it with compressive forces, you would snap it and cut it with a bolt cutter just like you would um, a cable. Mm -hmm. So... There is a lot of merit and trade-off that goes into this ultra-thin layered steel and the amount of steel so that you can coil it up into that small small diameter. And we think we've hit that sweet spot. Um, that doesn't mean it can't be refined. It would be great if uh, the form factor could be maintained and there was a harder, uncuttable metal. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that's that's not really present. Sure, sure. There's two more things I want to talk about before we wrap up here because we're, we're getting toward the end of the time here. But uh, one is I want to talk about the people who are running the show back there um, and making the locks. But before we talk about that, um, you guys have a, a frame bag. And I love that the two of you have such different views on this product. So it's a round frame bag, and it kind of tucks underneath the top tube, right by the head tube. And Jacob proponent of this bag jake not 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 your jam tell me about this product where it came from well i mean uh, you know in in the process of developing the business and the brand we're always looking to innovate and come up with new products mm -hmm. and so i'll hold brainstorming or ideation meetings or just call jacob or talk to other um you know colleagues and partners in the business and we've had on the radar a long time, maybe we should do a bag, whether mm -hmm. that's a lockable bag or some kind of special saddle bag that integrates the auto lock yeah. or a burrito bag that integrates the auto lock. And somehow we landed on, let's do a frame bag. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jacob, Mr. Ideation, um, like this notion of, of a circular bag that kind of fit the brand. And so I'll give him credit for that. I'm just not on board with frame bags yet. Bags in general, yeah. Any of them. Okay. I'm an old roadie. Um, <laughs> and I mean, yeah, I used to use frame pumps, but it just takes away a little bit of the cosmetic aesthetic of sure. the bike for me. But I have to say, I use our frame bag and I think it's a more ideal solution than some of the other things out there. Sure. But um, I'd like to hear from Jacob, too, on, you know, what makes this so great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, huh. So we were thinking of a, yeah, like, what would our bag be? And then we thought, well, it should probably hold our lock. <laughs> <laughs> Good conclusion. Yep. <laughs> it would be a way to carry the lock, right? right? right. Like, all right, we have a mount. And then, oh, okay, let's put our lock in a bag. So... Uh, and then kind of the extension of that was like, you know, what else would I like to put in the bag? Mm -hmm. um, and it was kind of like the wallet concept. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I get, I don't want to put my 
you know, if I have my wallet in my back pocket, I'm a little nervous it'll fall out mm -hmm. or if on a downhill or if I'm standing up or something like that. So I was like, okay, if I could put my keys and my wallet in this bag and some snacks on the side, like, mm -hmm. and the lock, like all of those things, right, right. that would be a great little, I would take off a lot of stuff out of my pockets that, mm -hmm. you know, stuff that I don't really want to get sweaty or wet yeah. or loose. Right. And I right. feel like my back pockets are not like, like, I wouldn't really ride with my keys back there, but sure. I would put them in this bag and tuck them in the inner pocket. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and, and it's pretty minimal, which is kind of our thing. Like, you know, if there's a lock, right, that mm -hmm. someone would take with their fancy road bike, yeah. it's the auto lock. And if there's a bag, someone would take on their expensive you know, race road bike, mm -hmm. it would be this one also. Sure. So that was kind of the um, idea. Yeah. Jake, you, you, you're I, smiling I, I, over I got to chime in. Okay. I love the bag yeah. from the standpoint um, <laughs> of the businessman and marketeer in me because it fits exactly with the auto lock concept as Jacob was inferring to mm -hmm. in that it's minimalistic. Yeah. So the real bag people out there, they're going, why would I want a, a bag that small? Uh, th that's not the point. We're not in the business of creating um, mm -hmm. bags to compete with, um, you know, large capacity, right. you know, backpack, you know, bikepacking and adventuring. We're 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 all about the minimal essentials. Sure, and so sure. I love the product from the standpoint of the brand. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I will say this. Um, yesterday, Jacob took me up some very steep climbs <laughs> here in Portland. And, and I, I was riding with the bag. It was the first time I've ridden with the bag. I have one of the bags at home. And when I saw it in the box, I said, oh, no way. No, I'm not going to ride this. Um, I rode with it yesterday, and I didn't even remember it was there. It could be because my heart rate was 280-ish uh, the whole time. And I was, you know, yeah, bleeding through my eyeballs. And, you know, um, no, no. It was, uh, it, but I didn't even notice it. And I think that's interesting because I have used bento boxes. I have used frame bags, and they always interfere with my knees. And this does not. It literally disappears. It's in the perfect place. It's right tucked up under, underneath where your head tube is. Um, it's kind of perfect, actually. Um, so I'm more inclined now to use it more regularly because I never noticed it. I actually completely forgot about it, um, which is great and, until I needed it. And, you know, we, we locked up. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like line of sight. It's invisible. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it is a clever design. Um, it, it, if you're not a bag person, I can see. <laughs> yeah, Jake's laughing. Um, I can see why it would be bothersome, and you know, it's it's just not that any bag in general just doesn't fit those clean lines of the traditional road bike. Right, yeah. But I think people are doing more things with their bikes now, yeah. and and that plays to that market where I'm not necessarily going to be on pavement the whole time. I may be gone all day. Mm -hmm. um, in that case, bags are kind of indispensable. And this one is actually really perfectly placed on the bike. Absolutely. Yeah. And just in terms of bike accessories in general, there's a range of people of like what they're willing to put on their bike. Right. Sometimes nothing. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And sometimes everything. Yeah. Me. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I'm kind of in the, uh, I will not get picked up on the road somewhere. Yeah. Like right. I will have everything to make it home tool wise. Yeah. Like I'm just like, 
you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my mentality. Yeah, right. Like the the tubular tire around your arms. Well, and, yeah. You know, <laughs> cigarettes and whiskey in the back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> cigarettes. Um, so to wrap up here, I know I know we're, we're kind of going long here, but I want to. I really feel like we need to touch upon the people out back who are making these locks. One of the things that has struck me since being here is that it's easy to think of a lock like this just being made on an assembly line by machines. Uh, you know, somewhere across the other side of the world. But these locks are made here in this facility by a, a you know, a small team with a lot of care put into it um, and a lot of skill. Um, and it got me thinking about how we, uh, how we think about handmade bikes as this, you know, very high cachet item, handmade clothing, handmade this, that, and the other thing. But we don't think about handmade accessories, especially something as vital as something that's going to protect my bike. But this is a handmade product. Um, tell me a little bit about, about who's making the locks back there and, and what the process is like. Yeah, I mean, I can summarize this by saying there's 29 parts in an auto lock. Mm -hmm. Each one of those parts is unique. There's nothing off the shelf. Mm -hmm. So there's suppliers that are all U.S.-based making those parts, um, some with machines, some handmade. Um, and that's part of the equation. Those 29 parts show up and we assemble a lock with eight unique processes that are all specifically engineered custom processes to put this lock together. And we do this with a team of people that you know, may range depending on season from six to 12 people. And they're very, very well trained and huge attention to detail is required. And so we make sure that's part of kind of the team members got an amazing operations manager that kind of rides herd on this whole exercise and we couldn't we couldn't do auto without her mm -hmm. and um, I think you have permission to say her first name yeah um, Tammy isn't a big fan of her entire <laughs> name being said but auto wouldn't be um, auto without Tammy mm -hmm. and that's you know you know I Jacob and I can take some credit but you know Tammy deserves really yeah. the most of the credit um, and she she leads our customer service initiative, and we're proud of how we approach users, whether they have questions or they have issues or problems. Mm -hmm. um, so um, a lot goes into a lock. It takes, it takes weeks for an operator to get fully trained um, and understand the nuances of the Q QA that go into a lock, and um, we're proud of what we do. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and watching this whole process, I, I mean, I'll just say Tammy, Tammy is a wonder, first of all. And she, you know, she's doing everything. It, it's clear you guys are like the bosses, but she's in charge. <laughs> no, there's no question she's in charge. There's yeah. days when I know she's in charge of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, watching everybody, I mean, the meticulousness of some of these processes, I mean, it obviously takes skill um, and, the, and the people who are making these locks are putting a lot of care and effort into this. And it's also astounding how quickly and efficiently they move. Um, and also just how much, uh, you know, watching, watching Pete walk from station to station. And Pete, Pete, you know, is sitting there, you know, tugging on the, the lock to make sure it's properly made and, and everything is sitting correctly. It's like a physical uh, exercise. Uh, it's definitely his workout for the day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the process of um, post-pressing a band and um, 
creating the pocket that we put the tip in is actually very physical. Yeah. And so it takes a person with strong hands, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they get a workout for a day. And, yeah. you know, we're fortunate to have guys like Pete, who's been doing this for four years since yeah. we started, yeah. um, helping us make locks. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything we're forgetting to tell people about auto locks that make it, you know, unique, different, worth their money uh, to invest in this product? We continue to kind of look for ways to make this better, uh, extend the product, and um, we're not done, you know, coming up with new things. So keep an eye on this space. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Autolocks.com, correct? Uh, two ways to get there, Dan. Um, Autolock. Autolock.com. Yes. And then you can also go there to with the corporate domain, which is autodesignworks.com. Okay. And you are on the social medias as well? We are. Yeah. You can look us up at, at autolock. Um, we've got a really fun, cool Instagram page. Cool. And um, other social outlets. Mm-hmm. Jacob, anything last, last words before we wrap up? Uh, well, well I, I have to, I guess we'll just finish with our, our tagline here. Um, our... Uh, cheeky tagline (laughs) that I missed earlier, but, uh, yeah, I guess the, the basic premise is the auto lock is the number one lock for going number two. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. If you ride, you know, why are there not stickers? (laughs) We need stickers with that. (laughs) Gentlemen, thanks so much for, uh, for joining me today. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and for those of you out there listening, if you have questions, please do feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on social media at Brown Tie Dan. Uh, and I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions about AutoLock or about any of the other podcasts I do. I am always willing to uh, field those questions. Uh, thank you guys again, and we will catch you next time. It's gonna be better. It's got so much promise. You know I can tell right now just by the look of it this year. I'm gonna do better. I'm not gonna wallow. I'm not gonna focus on the negative. No, this year we're all gonna conquer. And when it's all over, we're all gonna say that was such a good year.